what's up everybody back for another episode of if this concrete could talk and the name of this episode from tuxedos to tearaways memories of the big dance my guest for this hall of fame edition two great basketball players two greater individuals uh alphabetical order chris lowry evansville harrison alum siu basketball alumni Hall of Fame members in both, also in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. My other guest, Scott Schreffler, Marion High School graduate by way of the Carrier Mills High School. <laughs> University of Evansville alum, also a member of both Hall of Fames, member of the Illinois High School Basketball Hall of Fame, and if I'm not mistaken, the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame also, Scott? Uh, no, not the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, but not just, yet. Uh, just the jersey and the, and the Raptors. Okay, if so the way I pick, if they have, if they ever put a Hall of Fame together for a guy who played with Hall of Famers, I may yeah. be a first ballot. I may be first ballot there. <laughs> I'm not Hall of Fame worthy, but I played with a lot of Hall of Famers, so degrees <laughs> of separation right there. But uh, glad to have you guys on. Uh, this to me is a real fitting way to end the NCAA tournament um, to talk about you guys' memories. And, you know, we'll you know, take a flashback and then a look at how, you know, you guys think the game has changed today, how the tournament has changed from when you played and then, you know, where the state of the game is because both of you guys are still real closely involved with, with the college game. Um, first question is one I've asked you guys before and, you know, not had you guys the, the privilege of having you both on at the same time, but um, when did your love of the game begin? Whoever wants to go first, both of you guys are point guards, so you're both used to taking the lead. So this one, you got to share the ball a little bit, like it's an all-star game. Uh, but you guys can, you know, however, whoever wants to jump in, you know, just let us know how you where where your love of the game first began. Well, since I'm the elder, Chris is a couple years younger than me. I guess I'll go ahead and take over. <laughs> now, you know what? So it's so funny. So growing up, uh, all my pictures when I was little I always had a basketball in my hand. I uh, grew up on a farm and, you know, there wasn't much to do there. So I was always out like shooting hoops and I couldn't wait to get home and go out and shoot hoops. And, and again, when I was little, I mean, I have no idea why I had the, uh, the drive or the uh, passion for it. I, I can tell you one story, though, when I was in when I was in first grade, and that was Stone Fork uh, School, which Eric, you'll remember that. Yep. Uh, Jim Bynum was the coach there. You played there. Yep. I can just remember before, so my bus dropped me off early. So I always brought my basketball with me on the bus. I carried my basketball with me. So I'd go in there and start shooting free throws just right in front of it, not quite from the free throw line. And then everybody just started to gather around me because I was making like, you know, eight out of 10 or, or whatever. So so I'm not sure. I think it was just a God-given ability uh, from my standpoint. And my passion was just there for it for some reason. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, I grew up watching all sports, but, you know, Dr. J, I think you're growing up, you didn't have, you didn't love Dr. J, there was something wrong with you, but, you know, seeing that guy fly around with an afro, running around, dunking on people, and then we'd go straight to our, to our, we'd make uh, basketballs out of hangers, put them on the doors. Yep. And, there you go. And try to dunk on my cousins and my little brothers, and, and then that turned to Nerf hoop. You know, once Nerf hoop got invented, that that was it was over. 
and it was over. Just loving the game and, and, and playing and wanting to go. I grew up in Indiana where basketball is everything. And I learned how – I learned and – I, and I always talk to this about young players now. I, I learned how to do a lot of the stuff we're teaching college kids right now before I was in the eighth grade. Shot fakes, yep. pass fakes, bounce passes, how to run a you know a transition break, you know how to how to attack zones. I know how to do that. By the time I got to high school, and and you know the, you know that stuff that a lot of people take for granted now. It's just can you make threes, and that's where the game is is, is changed is shooting a bunch of threes. But just the love of the game and wanting to play every day and wanting to be around it and talk about it. Um, I had an early age. I was really I, I take. Sports Center every single night, um, so I can watch it the next morning. Because it's not 24 hours. You can watch Sports Center now. I can use, you know, yeah. time at nighttime, and I would tape it. Just watch all the big time basketball plays uh, during the night before, and, and that's kind of how I fell in love with it. Um, I think Scott, you know, we we both can agree with this. The time we grew up, it, it, you know, Illinois wasn't as you know, as big a, a state you know, with that at basketball, you know, as basketball crazy as Indiana is. And Scott, you know that from having played over there and you still live there. And I, you know, I, I, it slapped me in the face when I started coaching with Pocket City. But, you know, we grew up was a great time in Southern Illinois and Southeastern Illinois. You know, it was just everything was all about basketball. You didn't hear a lot about baseball, high school baseball. You didn't hear very much about high school football. But, you know, we grew up Carrier Mills. Um, the Taborns, the team in 79 that went to state. El Dorado had Mike Duff, Barry Smith, Eddie Lane, Dennis Smith before those guys. So we grew up in an era, you know, Ridgeway had won state not long before we started school. An uh, era where there was a lot of great basketball. And, you know, I know that was a big influence. You know, we've talked about it before. A big influence on us. I mean, Chris, where you're just the entire state was just basketball. You know, the, you can go all day and name Indiana legends and Evansville legends. So I know, you know, all three of us, there's something we all have in common that it started in early age because it was like second nature. That's that's just what you did back then. You played basketball. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was so fun. I mean, Southern Illinois back then, I mean, we had some, some great players. You just named a bunch of them. And you throw Cairo in there, Pinkneyville players with the El Dorado all-day tournament. And that's when I was growing up. You were kind of growing up. And then even when we played at Cary Mills, I mean, they are I mean, it was just some solid talent. I mean, a lot of Division One players came out of Southern Illinois at that time, and uh, I mean, man, you had to be you had to be on your game, and you had to work hard, and yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it was, it so was fun to go. I, I used to love going to watch other teams play just to see like what do I need to do as a freshman. That was I mean, an expectation. How am I going to compete, compete with this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was an expectation for us, and Chris, I don't, you know, we I. I just realized this yesterday. One of me and Scott's former teammates that passed away a few years ago, his his 53rd birthday would have been yesterday. And I always, you know, think about him. My eighth grade team had three Division One basketball players on it. And I don't know how many teams in our area can say that. You know, you had a junior high team with, you know, you're lucky if you have a team with one. And we had three guys. You know, none of us were just dripping with talent where you just say, oh, those guys are going to play college basketball. But you had three guys on a Little Carrier Mills Cardinal eighth grade team that got beaten the first, got blown out in the first game of the state tournament that had three guys ended up playing Division One basketball. So that kind of shows how, you know, the the the, the influence that we had growing up. Um, were there any 
any anybody in particular, Chris, you mentioned, mentioned Dr. J. Is there anybody else in particular that, you know, really influenced you guys and inspired you to want to play? Well, as a, as a point guard, you know, I watched Isaiah win a national championship as a sophomore, yep. and everybody wanted to be Isaiah in the state. I mean, I mean, that's the the love, and you know, you see, you know, Bobby Knight obviously during that time period was the king. Seventy six undefeated, seventy five lost one game, um, and then Isaiah comes in eighty one, and, and they win it. And so, just just watching Indiana basketball at that time too. You know, everybody, everybody that was a kid during that era wanted to play at IU, just because of um, the things they 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 did and how they did it. And you knew you were going to be, you know, tougher and, and a better player leaving there. I mean, obviously Scott knows he played for for Coach Cruz who during the '76, you know, IU team. So, you know, understanding what that meant and having Coach Cruz bring that same thing down to the University of Evansville. Um, and and the crowds that they were having was was just phenomenal at that time. You know, for Scott, before you answer that, it's kind of you know, you know, you guys had you know IU. You know, we really didn't have you know SIU wasn't really you know by the time we were in junior high and high school, SIU wasn't really a, a major player, you know, in college basketball at all. Um, Illinois. It's kind of like Illinois, you know, they didn't have a whole, you know, their, their tradition was years and years before. So, you know, I guess for us, the school would have been Kentucky because that's who we saw on TV more often than not. You know, we didn't have, a, you know, a, a, a real local team that, you know, that's who we want to play for. You know, it was Kentucky because those were the tape delayed games that we got to see. But, you know, Scott, yeah. was there anybody in particular for you that just like, OK, that's 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 who I want to be like. That's now I, they're, they're the reason I want to play. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I will tell you that uh, I did. So I was two years older than Chris and I don't know if he wanted to come to university or not. He probably made a good decision going to SIU, had a great career there. I played against him. I didn't look forward to playing against him because he was an awesome player, but uh, he would have fit in great with our team. So I just want to tell him that, and I would have loved to have him on my team. But as far as me growing up, I tell you, um, I was always a guy that, like, I could watch Michael Jordan play, and, like, I can never do anything he does, right? So I'm always <laughs> looking at, like, people I could, like, identify with, like Steve Alford in Indiana or Scott Skiles, which I don't know if I could identify with him or not at Michigan State or, Mark you know, Price. Uh, that's just different people that that, that 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 fit my uh, abilities. You know, I, I wasn't the quickest, the strongest, the fastest, but, you know, I had great instincts. I could shoot. I could do all that. So I tried to study those those guys, and then I just knew. And when it came down between SIU and, and Evansville, I just really knew I would fit in better with Evansville than SIU. And yeah, just, yeah. Hold, hold that thought because – Hold that thought because that's a big question I have for you guys later. Because <laughs> a, you know what, when I was yeah. putting the, you call it a script, when I was putting my notes together, there's a lot of irony there. There's a lot of irony <laughs> in the decision and the area and everything. So I want you to hold that so you both yeah, can I got you. about it. But uh, what was was there any moment in particular, Scott? I, I I think I know yours already. I think both of ours would be the same. Was there any moment in particular that made you say? Yeah, I love this game. This is what I want to do. 
what was there any just one oh, moment in that's a that's a good question because you know what in, in junior high i was just an okay player i was never a star or anything like that but once i got to be like a freshman i had a really good game against a couple teams and then uh i thought man maybe i could be pretty good at this and then I don't know. I think just things just fell into place um, in my sophomore year. I mean, obviously you were a senior that year, but man, just man, the run we went on on that team was incredible. And then that's that just made me think, and that just gave me the love for the game even more than I had. Now, see, I was thinking that you would have said that that '79 team. Yeah, yeah that really inspired me early. But yes, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. caramels, yeah. I think for me, Griff, um, you know, I just played with some like really, really special people. You know, oh, yeah. from, from you know my sixth and seventh, my sixth through eighth grade team. Um, a guy named Jeff Anderson. I know, I know Scott knows who that yeah. is. He just, I mean, you know, phenomenal player. We never lost a game, and I, that's one. You know, and I just sit there. And Jason Edwards, who played in NFL. We were all together, and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, what, how how did people know? You could have never predicted all those guys. Ron Derrick, who played, you know, was a great player, was there. Walter, Kevin Hardy. Um, it's just so many really good players in our district, and it was so competitive. And I always say it all the time. I was not, I was never, I've never, I was never the best player on my high school team. Even as a senior, I didn't feel. You know, people said I was, but I, you know, I just played with so many good players that you never felt like you were the best player. And obviously, when you play with Calvert, that's kind of forgiving. <laughs> then, yeah. you know, obviously, Walter was really young when I was, but you could tell he was going to be really, really good. Um, I think my, my, when I really I realized that I had a chance to be a college basketball player was we ran off all those games in a row where we didn't lose it when I was a junior. And that was obviously Calvin's senior year. And, I, you know, then he breaks his foot. And, you know, from that point on, I said, okay, I, you know, that was our state championship. And that hurt us really bad because we just felt we could win state with him and being undefeated for most almost the whole year. And at that point, I just said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to, to play Division One basketball. And, and it was obviously playing with really good players always helps. Um, but I think when Cal got hurt, it, I mean, it, it changed my leadership. It changed everything. Also, Brent Kell, duh. I'm, I can't believe I forgot Brent Kell, Scott, who's obviously great. <laughs> Brent, Brent was on our team, too. So that, you know, so many guys you forget about who was on our team. And Brent was another Division One player that was that was with us a, a, as well. And um, and he actually, he played at Evansville. Uh, you know, he, and he had a great career there, led the nation in three-point shooting. And Jeff Anderson, who I mentioned earlier, led the nation in three-point shooting at Kent State. So, th- so two guys that I grew up back-to-back years led the country in three-point shooting. Um, and we were shooting on eight-foot goals, you know, years before that. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just one of those deals where, you know, you're the 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 culture my high school coach created was for us to get better and be competitive, and to not be friends on the court, but be friends off of it and. I mean, it worked for, for us because he had so many guys be really good players. Yeah, and you know what, Chris? Everything you, you mentioned there, and I know all those guys you just mentioned, but uh, and especially you, like when you played at SIU and I played at Evansville, I mean, we didn't care if we scored two points or 30. 
we just wanted to win, right? And those guys you just mentioned and the, all that, I mean, they're all winners, right? And, you know, sometimes I think in this day and age, that goes by the wayside where you know, somebody's mad if they don't get 15 shots or somebody else outscores them. But it was all about winning at that time. And that's why when you were at SIU and I was at Evansville, you could tell that chemistry there was really great for both teams. No question. And Scott, I'll tell you a funny story. When I when when you know when I made the decision to go to SIU, um, you know a lot of people were mad. You know I would be going. I had no idea that SIU and Evansville were such like heated rivalries. You know that was one of their their biggest rivalries in school history, both sides. And I didn't learn about the rivalry until I actually you know signed and committed. But the number one thing, Scott, I did not want to leave home. I actually wanted to play there. And you know, yeah. I, every time that I come home and there was open gym at in Carson Center, oh, I was there. You were there, yeah. Hey, we okay, hold on, hold on. You guys are being too much of point guards right now because y'all just jumped. Y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all are seeing the score and seeing plays before it happens, and you know, coaches and all that. Y'all are jumping ahead of my questions. I can't even ask my questions. Y'all are going on and answering everything else. If I can get to them, just pause. Just pause because I, I really want you guys to talk about that, but I got a couple other questions before I can get to it. So y'all just slow, walk the ball up the floor for a little while, okay? Just <laughs> ball up the floor instead of you guys being these high-tempo high, high tempo guards. Because you you skip I, I, one of my questions, what was the moment that led you to believe you could play college basketball? Y'all just took that and ran with it. You know, your favorite play, y'all <laughs> took that and ran with it. Chris, you kind of touched on it, so I am going to backtrack to this question. And I know we you spoke about it at length the, the first time I had you on. Scott, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Um, the influence of your high school coaches. How much did you know, I know both of those guys, Scott, you played for two great ones. Chris, you played for a great one. How much of an impact and influence that those guys have not only on developing you, but on your your love of the game. Cause you know, you know, we we you know we've been around the game a long time. A coach can make a break or player, not just talent wise, but just the mental approach to the game. Yeah, uh, I'll go I'll go ahead and go first, uh, since I'm the elder again. <laughs> so uh yeah, so man, uh, just growing up in Southern Illinois, Jeff Ritchie, who is my coach at Cary Mills. Um, you know, just seeing him coach that 1979 state team and being around that, and Eric, you and I were, we didn't know each other as great then as obviously a couple years later when we were teammates, but um, so when I, so when he got rehired my freshman year, I mean, I was in his office all the time. I was probably skipping English classes with Connie Home and all that. Come on, school, I could, being a basketball player, I could get away without anything I wanted to get away with. But, uh, but man, he, he was he's the one that really got me on the, I guess, just learning about basketball. And I could always go in there and shoot with him and he would teach me different things. And then when I transferred Larry Jenkins at, at Marion, he's a little different. You know, you know, Coach Ritchie was, you know, he's kind of laid back guy. and He was real cerebral. A lot of it's depth, like, yeah, yeah, but he was good. He knew how to treat everybody. So I went to the next level. So Larry Jenkins, my next few years at Marion, love him. He probably prepared me more for going to Evansville than anybody could could have prepared me for because our practices were like crazy. When I went to Evansville, they were like, "Oh man, these practices are going to be so hard." I'm like, "Really?" So they kind of scared me. Then after the first practice, <laughs> shit, I've been through this before, so. <laughs> it's no big deal. <laughs> so 
so yeah so so I kind of had two different spectrums of coaches but both of them prepared me so much for my next level well for me um you know my eighth grade coach who coached a bunch of great players we went undefeated my my eighth grade year and so when we all went to Harrison um he, he came with us you know as the as the JV coach and then I met my coach, who I thought was, you know, one of the <laughs> one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life. You know, Van Devener, Coach Gerald Van Devener. Yeah. Um, he every day I would, as a freshman, so I would be scared to go to practice in Southland. You know, because he he would just ride me every day. He'd say stuff like, "I'd do something behind the back pass or dribble between the legs or do you know do something crazy with the ball." He'd say, he'd blow the whistle and he'd go crazy on me. He said, nope, I want Oscar Robinson, not not Oscar Meyer. So that was, that was his way of telling me I was a, I was a hot dog. <laughs> I want Oscar Robinson, not 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 the hot dog. But, um, you know, I didn't realize his influence until I got older. And, you know, you get old enough to, and, and you've had, it, you know, the career um, – like Scott had or myself, where you get in Hall of Fames and different stuff, and he's been at every one of them. And, and I didn't think he liked me, honestly, just because how hard he was on me. And when Kyle went to IU, people said, oh, Kyle's never going to play. He ain't going to be able to handle Bobby Knight. I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said what, 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 what we endured, <laughs> you know, on a daily faith, the mental warfare, what we, what we endured and the physical just pushing you to the limits every single day. I mean, I knew Cal was going to be all right. I was like, man, if, like, Cal can, you know, deal with that. Because because Jay, Coach, Coach V pushed us so hard and pushed us to the limits and pushed us against each other. He taught us to compete. And that's the, the one thing that I that he told me this recently. I don't think, he said, you guys would all left. You guys never would have stayed at Harrison. Because none of you guys would have waited your turn. In this era, kids don't wait their turn. Right. They, they, they skip that process of the adversity yeah. of being. Somebody's got to be better. Somebody can. Be, it's okay for somebody to be better than you. But to work that process and to, and to learn how to become a good player, it gets skipped because I'm going to go play for a coach that lets me get away with murder. I'm going to go to to a super team, and we're just going to coast and win. Like so, the adversity of having tough practices and you know failure to play and failure in practice and to the next day learning how to win and and execute all that stuff is is completely different now just because you know guys are scared to coach kids you know they're, they're, yeah. they walk on eggshells to coach them and um, coach coach B was was so you know so hard on me uh, when I got to sell the boy I mean I was so Skilled and so ready to do things the right way, and I remember I didn't shoot a pull-up three. And Coach Hammer was like, "What are you doing? You're open." I was like, "That's you know, I don't. You shouldn't shoot transition threes off the." He said, "Shoot the ball, <laughs> shoot the dang ball." You know? So I had to learn how to be loosey goosey. You know, I had to learn That's how to rigid, play yeah. that way because I was, you know, brought up like to run motion to, to you know to be you know everything is about IQ, skill, intellect. And you know, play that way, and that's why I struggled as a freshman in the beginning. And then by the end, I've kind of figured it out, and I was playing a lot by the end. 
Um, so, so that's that was my you know transformation because of my high school coach. He gave me a chance in life to, to fight stuff, to, to learn to overcome adversity. Because I had adversity with him every day. Um, I mean, you know, I appreciate. It. I know Scott was you know because we were still talking all the time when you know your first two years at Marion, your last two, your years at Marion. Coach Jenkins cut you zero slack. You know, oh, yeah, we could, yeah, you know, we yeah, were so yeah. cl- and you were close, you were close with him, but you know, it was a different relationship yeah, than the relationship yeah. we had with Coach Richie, where we could kind of, you know, we knew the buttons that we could push with Coach Richie to get kicked out of practice, and uh, you know, you know, to get him to ease up on us, and you know, that I know, you know, Coach Gen- Coach Jenkins gave you the blues sometimes, but it, it paid off big time for you just that you know that that level of toughness and to be able to step in like you did your freshman year at Evansville so now let me lead up to this question you know this this and I, when I was like I said when I was putting the notes together it just struck me Chris you grow up Evansville you got University of Evansville there uh coach Cruz was you know at that time you, your senior year you know already been to the NCAA tournament he was building a mid-major power you know, the, the university, the, the program that bounced back from the tragic loss of the team in 77. You go the opposite direction. Scott, you grow up. Um, Coach Heron had been recruiting you, or he, he had seen you as a freshman and sophomore. Saw you play two great games. The two times he came to see me play, you had better games than I did probably the two times he came to watch us play. SI using your back door, especially you're at Marion. You go the opposite direction. So how is it you guys end up with, you know, you know, you got the hometown school, you know, in your backyard. Pretty much, Scott, both both you guys, you know, you said that Chris would have been a perfect fit at Evansville. Scott, you would have been a perfect fit. You know, you may not think so, but, you know, you had a lot of Kai and a lot of Sterling in your game. You, you know, the way you shot the ball, your toughness, you'd have fit in at SIU. But how did you guys end up making that decision to kind of like, oh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go here, I want to go to the rival, I'm gonna go to the rival school, even though, you know, and we didn't have, you know, we had no idea, I didn't have any idea how big a rivals SIU and Evansville were until I got there also. So what, you know, what, what played the biggest part in those in those decisions? Well, uh, I can just tell you. First of all, you bring up Sterling Mayhan. Now, now, Chris, did you ever play against him in practice? See there? Oh yeah. There? Yeah, I'm oh my God. Here. That's the worst. I mean, I hate hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> that dude. I'm sure Griff probably pumped him up to like kick my ass or whatever. <laughs> that guy was unbelievable. He was so strong and fast. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a stud, man. Guarantee it. Um, so so basically, so when I got recruited at SIU, obviously Kai Nuremberger was going to be a senior. They wanted to redshirt me. Uh, and I did. I really didn't want a red shirt. I wanted to play. You know, went on my visit to Evansville, and to be honest with you, there was, uh, you know, like ten thousand fans there, and they're all like crazy yeah. being chanting aces, aces. I mean, it was just a unbelievable environment for me at that time. And then I know maybe I could have fit in with with SIU a little bit from my uh, style of play, but you know, I'm realistic on my abilities and you know being a student of the game i just knew i fit fit in better with evansville on the way they played and and all that so that that's that's kind of how i got over uh to evansville so but it was a tough choice especially with you being one of my best friends and rick shipley and 
Matt Wynn. I knew you all, all you guys real well. But uh, it was a tough choice. But uh, I just thought, you know, that was for the way I played, that was going to be the best. <clears throat> and obviously it was. Obviously it was. Well, for me, you know, I, I wanted to go to Evansville. And, and this is a true story. Quit telling me that, man. I wanted this, you there. This is, this is a true story. And <laughs> Coach Cruz, you ask Coach Cruz, hey, he'll tell you. So when it came kind of down to it, I told him I wanted to come there. And, and Coach Cruz told me to my face. And you know how, you know, <laughs> you, Scott, you know Coach would. Yeah, yeah. He just told yeah. me I wasn't good enough. And I was like, what? Oh, really? Wow. I was like, <laughs> man. I, and I got mad. Then I thought about it and I was like, you know, and, and years have passed later. Late, and he, you know, he just said, I learned from Coach Knight. You don't take a guy from your hometown unless he's a, a difference maker. And, you know, you don't understand that when you're a kid. No. But all I know no. is that they wanted Calvert and they wanted Walk. And as a player, you know, you, everybody's cocky. I'm better than them, which, you know, I clearly was not. But, you know, Coach coach saying that, it didn't motivate me to go to, to, to go to Southern Illinois. It just motivated me to to, to to be better and to really make my – I have to go away from home now. You know, that, yeah. was the, that was the thing I had to make my mind up where I wanted to be. And, you know, obviously the schools, you know, the NBC, the MAC. Um, coach my, – my high school coach wanted me to go to Indiana State. But Tate Locke, you know, former I, – I, yeah, yeah. He was there with, with with Coach Knight. Sure. When I told him no, he was mad. You know, he wanted he wanted me to play for a Coach Knight guy, either Coach Cruz or or, or Coach Locke. And when I went and played in Southern Illinois, he was so mad at me because uh, he did not want me to leave the state. And and when I did, you know, after that, after I started playing there, he just, I mean, he loved, you know. And and, and what was so interesting, Scott? Every time I played at Evansville. He would end up in our locker room. I'm like, how the hell do you get down here? <laughs> you keep getting in our locker room, and uh, but you know that that was the thing. I, I really wanted, and, and and trust me, Todd Kokenauer is a great player, man. I, and I love Todd. I know Mark Heisel there. You know, me and Todd had great battles. You know, yeah. he's always seen we guard. You know, that's who he guarded me. You know, you know, I know he was a defensive, sorry, tough, hard nosed dude. And, you know, it was the right place for me to go to Southern Illinois because the rest yep. is history for me. Everything sure. Coach Heron told me and promised me actually happened. And he didn't tell me I was going to get my ass kicked by Sterling. I didn't know how good it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> animal, man. <laughs> early on, early on, Grip, Grip always teases me. When I was when my first when I first got to Southern Illinois, oh, I was Sterling's little 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 buddy, Sterling's little brother, <laughs> you know. And and then he and then he always says, once you figured out that you were pretty good, you stop being his buddy, and then you start playing with him and playing a lot. And so and that's what kind of happened, you know. I learned how to, to to play with him instead of worrying about playing behind him. Yeah, and that was that was used. But but make note, I did not want to because. I grew up literally a 15-minute walk from the University of Evansville, yeah. across, across the tracks. You know, from those guys, Evansville, they don't, you know, they look, they're across the tracks. And I and, and I did not want to leave home. I wanted to stay home, and I wanted to I wanted to play. I I, I love the the t-shirts. I, I wanted I love the orange um, uniforms, and you know, well, I tell that's you, man, the rest of history. You'd have been a great fit for our team, but you know what? I think everything happens for a reason, and your yeah. career worked out great. And then especially with your contacts you made there for your coaching career, 
you know, moving forward after that. So, but uh, yeah, you would, you would have been, you would have been awesome on our team for sure. Yeah. And it's fun, you know, funny and definitely not. Cause I've, I've, I, you guys know, you know, we're, we're, we're brothers. You guys know, I would never put my career on the same level as you guys. Scott, you remember, I wanted to go to Evansville. Um, yeah. My senior year, I wanted to go there. And then, you know, we play Sesser. I foul out on that fluke foul in the, in the third quarter, and I get a letter, and they stop recruiting me. You know, we don't feel you'd read it. And looking back, uh, there's no way that I could have played for Coach Cruz. Uh, but that was my first choice. I don't know what it was. I just I wanted to go to Evansville. I preferred Evansville over SIU early on in my recruiting until they you know, said, we're going to stop recruiting you. And then you know, it was like, okay, where do I go now? Because I don't want to go to SIC, but like, you know, what do I do now? But, it, you know, it worked out great for you guys. Chris, the, you know, I think the big adjustment you had was, you know, we had Kai and then we had Sterling. And those were two, you know, they were scoring first point guards. And you come in and you were a true point guard. And that was really the first time Coach Aaron had a guy who was a true point guard. So it was an adjustment for you. You know, where you he wanted you to play quicker. And once you figured it out and... You know, he kind of relented a little bit in his demands of you. Then, you know, the next three and a half years or whatever were, you know, the start of, you know, a great run for for Southern. Uh, and that kind of leads into my next question. You know, both you guys play for icons as coaches, iconic coaches. Um, Coach Cruz was, you know, on everybody, the tip of everybody's tongue for a lot of major openings. Um that, that stretch while, well, while you were there, Scott, because you guys were so successful. Yeah. You guys were on the verge of um, – well, you guys were Gonzaga before Gonzaga was, minus the the trips in the national tournament, you know, the, the, the final game. Nobody wanted to play Evansville in the NCAA tournament. And then Scott, of course, you know, late great Coach Heron, um, what he did at SIU, you know, with no prior college experience, running for seven years – speaks for itself, you know, to talk a little bit about, you know, what those guys meant and, and mean to you now. Are you talking are you talking about the coaches? Yeah, Coach Cruz for you, yeah, Scott, and Coach Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So yeah, so Coach Cruz, I mean he was uh you know when he recruited me, he's like he's not guaranteeing any playing time, anything. He's he was old school back then. I mean now I know Things are different now with the way they have to recruit kids. But uh, I tell you what, uh, my freshman year, I had a really good freshman year because I didn't have to do much. Hell, we had a good team. And all I had to do was set in the corner. Or they'd double team somebody. I just had to shoot open threes the whole time, basically. Um, then after that, man, I became team captain. And I really got to know him well. And, uh, you know, he taught me a lot about being a leader and uh, leading the other guys. Because back then, and Chris, you'll remember this too, is like uh, like in the offseason, coaches couldn't be around much. So if you were a team captain, man, you had to run everything or you had to do everything or get everybody together, you know, set up, you know, at least for me, set up everything like the the, the weight room or the, hey, here, we're going to work out here. We're going to work out there. But, uh, but that whole staff that Coach Cruz had, I mean, we had individual workouts for everybody that fit their role. Right. So like we were having, uh, I don't know. And I love Reed Jackson's death. If he listens to this, he'd probably be pissed at me, but we didn't have him like practicing his individual workout, shooting threes. We had him doing stuff that was his strengths. And that's probably the biggest thing I took away from coach Cruz 
and I never, I got into coaching for a little bit, but, uh, but our team, and I was kind of the leader of it, is like everybody knew their roles. And I was in charge of everybody understanding the roles and enforcing it when the coaches weren't around. So, but no, he was, uh, man, he's loyal. And uh, as long as you worked hard and did everything, I mean, he was, even if you, you know, let's say we got beat by Xavier by two points at home, which we did on ESPN. You know what? He wasn't mad after the game. He's like, you know what? They just beat us. You guys did everything right. You hustled, did all that. But if there's ever a opportunity or a game where the effort wasn't there, or you didn't follow the scouting report, or whatever that case may be, then it was a different story. Well, for me, Coach Heron, you know, I mean, as I got older and learned how to play for him, like, Coach never told me what to do. There was a lot of times where I would call stuff, you know, and that was the difference between me and, and the guys that were there before me because they were so dominant to score. And I tell them all the time, I say, Coach, I scored 1,200 points, and you never ran a play for me? You never – I never <laughs> – you know, you never told, you never gave me any anything to do offensively. He said, because uh, you just knew what to do. And, and just knowing what to do was a big – deal with coach here because he gives you so much offensive freedom that you got you have to learn how everybody scores and how everybody scores I had to make sure that they got the ball that way I didn't have nobody was telling me where it needed to go I had to figure that out because there was times when you know in coach Heron's offense if the three-man got it he pushed it or, or didn't matter who got it at times and that was was unique in how we play that's why we averaged 80 points you know, playing fast and, and really pushing the tempo. And I tried to play without turnovers. That was my whole thing, making sure our guys got shot. I, I tried to play with as few turnovers as possible. And, I mean, I was really conscious of that. You know, before I got there, I was, yeah, that mattered. Like, just, you know, just get shots up and, you know, just try to outscore the opponent. And just my relationship with Coach and, and just – um, and God rest his soul. I mean, every like I said earlier, everything he told me was not only true, but it was real. And every it came to fruition. You're going to come and you're going to sit behind a good player. I did that. You're going to start your next three years. I did that. You're going to have a chance to to to, to do well. The rest of your life is going to be set if you come play. And it, and it actually everything he told me and, and told my grandmother that was one thousand percent true. And it happened that way. And the people on staff were so, it was such a good group of, of, of people um, that you almost felt bad when you didn't play hard for the, for the guys that we had. Um, because honestly, Coach Coach Heron never yelled at me, not one time. And that's kind of hard to say. And I know some of the guys that played for him in high school are like, what? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, Rich Heron was a hard nose, you know, stomping around. Never, He never got on me. And, you know, whether that was good or not, that was great for a person like me who had a big imagination about how I wanted to play but couldn't play that way in high school. And he just let me kind of unleashed me and let me be free. And he just said, here, you got my program. Go ahead, buddy. And, and because of that, he, he, that, I think we won. And, and I played with really good players. And Griff, like, like I, I might have the record for playing with a <laughs> The most Hall of Fame dudes because I played yeah. with, with, with a bunch of them too, and and, yeah, and that was crazy. Well, he didn't have to yell at you your freshman year because I was around. 
You know, you and Shipley, there's no reason, no reason to yell at you. No reason to raise his voice yelling at you guys because it was, it was going to be my fault. So that took that took a lot of pressure off of you. But like you talk about, you know, him not running plays for you. You make the big shot um, at Boise State that I think put us it put us ahead in the NIT. Then you made a big shot against Southwest Missouri, now Missouri State the next game in the NIT. And then you make the game winner in the Valley Tournament. It was the semifinals um, yeah. in 93? Yeah. 93? 93. So those plays weren't called for you. I know those plays are probably designed to go, you know, the, the Boise game, you go to the other side of the floor and nail <laughs> one from the corner. You know, the game against Southwest, you took the little guard, um, I can't think of his name, Bernard. Artem Bernard, take him off the dribble, hit a pull-up jump shot over him. Those plays weren't designed for you. That was just the freedom and the confidence you had developed as a freshman. But then it carried over to where you were just a big game player. Scott, with you, a lot of it was just the toughness, the system you guys were in, that and the confidence. You had that confidence as a freshman. The very first, uh, uh, I remember the first game you started in the holiday, uh, not the holiday tournament, the Harrisburg Invitational. And you have 24 points and you bail us out because I in foul trouble and just you know you didn't miss very many shots they dared you to shoot because you were a freshman and you know you're hitting shots 20 25 foot out you make all your free throws you know you guys did things you know a lot of it was confidence a lot of it was skill but it was your mindset um, easily two of the toughest guys I ever played with and uh, you don't yeah. see point guards like that now that are unselfish but know when to step up and take over in key moments, you know, whether it's, a, whether it's getting a defensive stop, hitting a big shot, you know, on a play where everybody is looking for other players, you know, you take advantage of, you know, that guy leaning in the wrong direction or being a half second too slow, you know, rotating out to you. Um, you know, just thinking too, you know, putting the notes together, ironies of you guys going into your freshman year. Scott, you go to Evansville, Scott Hafner, Dan Godfrey's there, two guys, you know, playing the NBA. Chris, you come to Southern, you got a great guard, and Sterling, two great big men, and, and Ship, and uh, and and Drew, Amaya, you know. So that that really made, like Scott, you said, you know, a lot of times your freshman year, it was just making corner threes. You know, Chris, for you, was kind of finding your way and getting the ball to those guys and letting them score. So I know that that made the adjustment a lot easier. But then your roles changed. As your years progress, you know, Scott, you had to become more of a scoring threat, even though you did play with Parrish. Chris, you became more of a scoring threat, even though you had Carl on your team. You know, you had CC, you had Marcus, you had Paul, you had Tyrone that really came into his own, you know, later on. So just how you guys evolved as bigger threats offensively from your roles as defensive players, you know, shows that just how smart the coaches were that you played for, how hard you guys worked. And, you know, just how intelligent you guys were as players that, you know, you could take advantage of playing with guys like that and still, you know, score points, still yeah. still have to would, be recognized on the offensive end. Yeah, I would say one thing about Chris and I, because I think we're both on the same boat. We were kind of leaders on the team as we kind of grew into it. But, and I think I said this earlier, but, I mean, I knew when to score, when not to score. Like if the team needed me to hit a shot or, I mean, I might try to hit a shot, but I might not make it. But I knew, I mean, our hierarchy was was set. So, uh, and I think Chris kind of alluded to this earlier. Is like, I mean, he knew who his players were around him and all that. And 
So I think, I mean, uh, I don't know how to say this without being bragging, but we're kind of winners from that standpoint because our ego never got in the way. Like I could have shot a lot more. I could have scored a lot more points. Chris could have too. But oh, yeah. it was all about winning and including the team. I was not bragging. I was joking with some kids at school the other day, and I said, goats don't gloat. You don't have to gloat about it. If you got if you got the results to show it, there's not gloating. I mean, what you guys did speaks for itself. You got the resume to back it up, and you guys were. I mean, that, you know, I mean, I just like, you know, we played together in high school, and it, I didn't have the ball in big game situations, you know, in close situations. My job was to get the rebound, give it to you, and get the hell out the way. Don't get fouled. Give it to Scott. Regional championship. <laughs> I'm getting Chris. I'm getting rebounds, and I'm yelling, Scott. <laughs> nine for nine from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Fifteen for fifteen for the game. You know, I scored early. He scored late. That and that worked out pretty well for us because they didn't want me shooting free throws down the stretch. But you know that when you're a winner, that that you know it comes naturally. I, I mean, Scott, I don't know if you remember this. The first game as a when I was an eighth grader that you got big minutes. You were a sixth grader, and you came in, and I think you hit like four or five from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, and we beat Shawneetown by like three points. I'd have to yeah, find I don't remember that. I do know flipping. I didn't have uh, hair under my arms at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us did. <laughs> I said that that team picture. You know, you didn't you didn't look at that team picture and see Division One player like you. You were about as as round as you were tall, and I was yeah, exactly. You know, I turned sideways. You didn't see me. I looked like a dirty Q-tip with my little baby afro. But... <laughs> yeah. Um. What I, I, I you know came up the title of this, like I said, you know, because you guys, Scott, you went from you know your first year at Evansville, you're in the NCAA tournament, Chris. Two late two years later, you're there, and you know. Scott, you kind of stepped into a team that was ready to go. Chris, the that first trip for you was two years in the making because, you know, we were, you know, we should have went 91 your freshman year. 92, you know, we were conference favorites, your sophomore year conference favorites and had the meltdown against Tulsa in the conference semifinals. So what was, Chris, I want you to go first with this one. What was it like? And we talked about it before, but just, you know, explain again. What was it like, that feeling that we got the bid? We finally got a bid. Well, I think it, it's just a lead up for me because Scott went right away. I went with an unbelievable, I mean, my freshman year, our team was so talented. Um, and for us to not go was a major, major disappointment. And then as a sophomore, you know, we won the league. We won the league and had... We're up 20 at half, and we lose to Tulsa in the, you know, semis, and it was just a colossal collapse. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those deals where, as a freshman, I felt so bad for you, Sterling, and Ship, because I knew what it meant to you guys. You know, all those in, all those NIT appearances in a row. Yeah, we got you know, snubbed the year before, just yeah. like, you know. Yeah, horrible. And, and that was that was bad. And then the South, it was on me. Like so I was a part of why we didn't go. You know, and you know we win the league, and I'm like, yeah, we we got our we're back on top. We're gonna go through this. You know, we're just gonna you know roll through this league. And Amaya's MVP. I'm all conference. You know, all this stuff. You know, I, I Amaya's first. You know, he's offensive and defensive player of the year. I'm all yep. league with them. 
and I'm like, holy shit, this is easy. Get to that conference tournament, and I didn't realize, I'm like, holy shit, it's a new season. You know, it's a, it's completely different. And and to see that senior group look, not make it my freshman year, and then Crime Dog my sophomore year, Kevin Warren, you know, and Matt, too. You know, those two, I was like, so five people I've let down. You know, I mean, I mean I've completely let them down, you know. And then um, as a junior to break through, that's all I thought about was you guys. And honestly, when Ship interviewed me, Ship was on the radio during that time. And he came right to me and was like, what are you thinking? And I just went, like, you guys, I mean, I did, we did it. You know, number one for Coach Heron, but the dudes that I played with that I was, and by then, me and you, Griff, were so tight, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, we were extremely tight by then. And um, it was amazing, you know, because it, it got the monkey off Coach Heron's back, um, our fan base, you know, and to do it how we did it and, and you know, to crush Illinois State in the championship game and, it was only short lived because all you get to do is go play Duke and get, and get guns from a <laughs> and get to look at Grand Hill shorts as he dunks backwards over you. Uh, that that uh, that is my you know the ball is tip moment. <laughs> as a junior, seeing Grant being on the break, Bobby no no pun intended. Yeah, Bobby yeah. early in the middle, Grant Hill on one side, Thomas Hill, and I guess wrong. And that's how, you, <laughs> that's how you get dunked on. <laughs> so it was a great experience. That back to what you asked, Griff. Unbelievable experience. Unbelievable. I had the best party ever. When we got back, we partied all night. Guys were walking to class that next day. And they were just like, hey, come hang out. And so people walking to class because all of a sudden this turn, this thing turns into something unbelievable you know after we won it all uh and just had an unbelievable time and i'm sure coach heron and those guys they couldn't find us the next day you know they were they were looking (laughs) you guys gonna run you know we paid for it i'm sure uh but nothing like going and playing in that and and representing your school uh knowing that you have to win that that conference tournament to get in no, Scott, before you answer, you know, and that was a really good time, too, because, you know, we we talked a little bit about the rivalry SIU and UE had when they were Division Two teams. And, you know, you go for a five or six year stretch where both schools were either in the in either in the NCAA tournament or in the running for a bid to the NCAA tournament. So it kind of established basketball you know, at a high level in this area again, you know, and if you want to call it, you know, the pocket area, you know, it established basketball in Southern Indiana and Southern Illinois again on, on a big level. And it, it gave people a reason to be interested in the colleges again. I mean, Evansville always had that, that, that interest. I remember going over and watching you guys play Bucknell over Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And it was like 10,000 people there. And I'm like, this is crazy. You know, for Buck, where, where is Bucknell even at? And there's 10,000 people watching. You know, we didn't have the same, you know, SIU, you, know, you you came to games there. You played there. We had to win consistently to have those type of crowds. And when we did, that place was electric. But it was just great that for two teams to have that storied history that they did as Division Two schools that, you know, for a six or seven year stretch, now we're back on the, you know, the, the we're back in the pulse of college basketball again. 
because of this, you know, guys like, you know, you guys, you, know, you two guys had, a, you know, were major players in that, putting, you know, bringing those the teams back to prominent again, pro- prominence again. But Scott, what was it like for you? Because, you know, a year before, you're playing Carbondale in a regional championship. And then flash forward one year later, you're getting ready to go against Gary Payton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I did. Uh, I mean, I did a hell of a job on him. I held him to thirty-one in overtime. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what. Uh, you know, and and Chris, and I don't know if Coach Aaron talked about this, but Coach Cruz was so good. Like when we had good teams, so it'd been my freshman year, junior year, senior year. It's like every game's a big game, right? It's not like we're. Uh, you know, Michigan State or Michigan, because if, if you don't win your conference tournament, right, you, you might not get in a, I mean, you, we're playing exactly. for a large bid, right? So, um, and my freshman year, we did get a, a large bid, and luckily my junior and senior year, we won the conference tournament uh, against Xavier both years, but, um, so you're, like, every game is, like, it's like the Super Bowl. Like, some of these bigger schools, I mean, they can take games off, they know they're going to you know, get in the tournament and, and they can make a run or whatever with all the talent. But that just puts so much pressure, so much more. I don't say pressure, but if you like pressure, if you like competing, it's really not pressure. But uh, so that's why my freshman year, when we saw our name on the on the TV, we we're, were going to uh, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, playing Oregon State. We're 11 seed, they were 6 seed. I mean, it was so, I mean, it was tears. We we're hugging, jumping up. I mean, from a large bid, and uh, as I said, the next two years we, you know, we we, we knew we were clinched, so it wasn't near as exciting. But my freshman year was was the biggest thing. And the funny thing is, when I went back to the dorms after we were at Coach Cruz's house watching that that uh, NCAA show or whatever, they're like, "Man, you got to play against Gary Payton." They played late at night. I mean, I didn't have much. I mean, this is nineteen eighty nine, the dorm room. I never seen him play before. They're like, man, he's a stud. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then Coach Cruz tells us, first practice, if anybody says anything to Gary Payton, I can't repeat what he said, but you talk no, you talk no shit to him because he will kick our ass. <laughs> so he came out. He came out in overtime. So we went in overtime with him. He had a bloody lip. He kind of bumps into me. I don't know if I hit him or not. I mean, I have no idea. Obviously, I didn't hit him on purpose, but. Like, trying to get me engaged I'm like I am so sorry Mr. Payton <laughs> like, Coach Cruz going to kill me if I say anything to this guy <laughs> it wouldn't like going back and forth to Scott Pilkington in the regional championship yeah no uh, I, <laughs> hey I always believe on scouting reports I mean we Evansville Coach Cruz Coach Bennett they were awesome on scouting reports so, yeah, when they told me that, when I heard that, I was like, I ain't saying anything to this dude. <laughs> and he still had 30 grand. <laughs> and that, you know, that's another thing. Your first appearance, both of you guys' first appearance in the tournament, you play against, like, two of the greatest college point guards ever. Gary Payton goes on to be an NBA Hall of Famer. Uh, Chris, you're, you're, you're playing the, the two-time defending national champion, a favorite to win a third straight. You know, you said... Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Thomas Hill, Antonio Lang. Just you know, what? And it's, it's going to be sound, sound like an obvious question, but how big of a difference was the talent gap 
Oh, for us, it was huge. Like you didn't, you don't think about it because, like you said, that dude Bobby Hurley got annihilated as a freshman by one of the greatest teams ever in UNLV to come back to an even better UNLV team and beat them. So, I mean, he had played in more tough games, you know, just in his time in the ACC against pros. And Grant Hill, you know, obviously he is what he is. Um, and and just to see Coach K over there, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's unbelievable, you know, to go against that. And, you know, they were so big out, you know, from – from the two to the to the five humongous NBA size. You know, Thomas Hill, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, Grant's the three, six, eight, Lang, 6'9", the four, and Cherokee Parks, 6'11", seven foot at the five. You know, so that was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, so, oh, so this is what that level is like. This is what those yeah. everyday guys look like on that level. Uh, Peyton and Chris, I don't, I don't know if you remember this story. I, so I got a Bobby Hartley story and then a story with me and you. So do you remember when you played in the White River games? Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Somehow you and I got in the same car and I was thinking that Mike Thomas was the coach. I was assistant coach. I don't know if I did anything, but <laughs> you were telling me that story about, man, I do. Because I always took, I was kind of pissed off, to be honest with you. Because I thought we set hard screens, but you were like, Man, I've never ran into a screen like Duke said. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it, and I'll tell you a true story, Scott. My 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 sophomore year, um, Reed actually gave me a hip, a hip pointer on a freaking flare screen. How oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be proud of that. I'll tell him. He's you make sure you <laughs> tell him that. And then Andy knocked my shoulder out, and that's supposed to be my boy, my senior year. He knocked my shoulder out, and, I, and it went back in on on a back screen. No, no, you got like, what I meant by that was ball screens. Because we didn't, nobody did ball screens like. No, that. you're right. Back then, so there was not many at all. They were coming and doing, you know, the the they they were running horns, what everybody runs now. Then with those two big, and they were running into it and not stopping. And I'm like, wait a minute. You gotta stop on running ball screens and they were crushing. <laughs> I mean smashing. Uh, yeah. You know, but you guys were the hilarious. absolute best blind side. I didn't know what a flare was until you guys. <laughs> but true story, Reed hip I, I was so sore after that game. <laughs> That's funny. So so my Bobby Hurley story is I got an opportunity. So Coach Cruz late ship with uh, Bobby Knight. I got to play in the movie Blue Chips, right? So oh, yeah. we go up there. So Bobby Hurley's on he's on the Indiana team. And I mean I got we're playing against Shaq and Anthony Hardaway and all that. It was a real game for two nights in a row. But that dude, man, I'm telling you, he knew I was a shooter. Like he would take off, you know, bring the ball up and he'd be going left. I'm wide open on the right wing. I'm like, come on, man. What the and all of a sudden the ball's coming right to me. I mean, and right in the shooting pocket. He was the best passer I'd ever been around. I mean, he could just see things and, you know, divert the defense one way and then bam, right to you. He was crazy. Well, you know, they talk about, we talk a lot about, you know, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, guys like that. If injuries hadn't derailed their NBA career, how great would they really, you know, we, ne- we never got to see them at their greatest. Bobby Hurley is a name that people don't mention very much because his NBA career was so short-lived. But, you know, that story about them uh, handed it to the Dream Team. And 
Magic, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, those guys said that Stockton could not keep him. That I mean, they couldn't do anything with Bobby Hurley. Yeah. So they couldn't they couldn't keep him in front of him. You know, he's beating him up the floor. He was getting the ball to guys in transition. I remember one of the clips. He's in the middle of the break and he flipped it back. I think I don't remember if it's the Weber or who, but flips it back to one of them on a, a three on two break for for a dunk. And that's a guy that you know we never got to see in the NBA. So it's kind of interesting, you know, here you guys talk about him and you guys played against him and played, Scott, you played with him, but how good could he have been? Would he have been a John Stockton type? You know, one of those guys that could do a little bit of everything and just, you know, he's already, you know, we knew he's a coach on the floor, but you surround him with guys that could score and take some pressure off of him. You know, what, what type of pro could he have been? Uh, you know, yeah. what I had to do, like I said, a lot of homework Chris, yeah, if he wouldn't have gotten that trip. car accident, man, I think he would have had a really good NBA career. No, I mean, I those guys, the Dream Team guys spoke so highly of him. Yeah. You know, they spoke real highly of him. Yeah, the next um, day they had to put Pippen and, and Michael on him. Yeah, yep, they sure did. They, they sure had, did. They had the magic. Their, their, yeah, their the magic approach. couldn't guard him. But you guys played against a who's who in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you were Chris, you played against that Duke team. The next year, you play against Minnesota, and one of their all-time great players, Sean Leonard, and three other guys, or two, John Thomas, Randy Carter, end up playing the NBA. Ariel McDonald was a great player for them. Uh, Chris, Scott, you played against the damn Heisman Trophy winner, and Charlie Ward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was and Bob Sura. And, and yeah. Sam Cassell, then Gary Payton. Hey, I'll, uh, tell you what. I'll tell you what about Sam Cassell, and I've, I've told people this before. Uh, Gary Payton was probably the, the most overpowering player I played with or against. But I'm telling you what, Sam Cassell, because I, I had to guard him that game or tried to guard him, um, he could do everything, man. He could shoot, he could shot take, he'd go left, he'd go right. He was a great passer. I mean, he, and that's why he wasn't the most athletic guy uh, as far as NBA standards are concerned. But man, he played in the league for like. 10, 12 years. He was, he was a, man, he was just a baller. Yeah. And I, I asked you the same thing because that FSU team was loaded. They had those guys. They had um, uh, the Edwards, the older Edwards brother. He had the younger yeah, okay. brother. That 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, they had the big, big left handed kid that played the, the five guy. I can't yeah. think of his name. His name was Dobart. Yeah. Dobart. Yeah. Man. So, like, I got a crazy memory, Scott. Yeah. I mean, my <laughs> That's awesome, man. Sick. Um, so the just the level of talent, because those guys are athletes. Bobby Sura was oh. a dog. He was one of my favorite college players at that time. You know, just the how you know what was the difference in the talent gap between a team like Florida State and and you guys? And you played in and those Xavier teams you guys played against were no slouches either. But you go against a team that's got three NBA players, uh, uh, all-world athlete, and Charlie Ward, you know, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, should have been an NFL quarterback. You know, how? how what was the the difference in talent like in that game? Uh, the difference was their guards. You know, Xavier always had big guys. I mean, they had, like, Tyrone Hill, uh, Derek, Derek Strong. Strong at one time, and then uh, Brian Grant, uh, and then Aaron. Oh, yeah. oh. Can't remember his Williams. last name. All those guys Aaron were big, big guys. So they were more... You know, inside, they want to go inside a lot, and they play through those guys. But with Florida State, the biggest difference is their guards. I mean, I mean, you had, yeah, Charlie Ward, uh, Bob Sura, Sam Cassell. 
I mean, that was just, that was hard to match up with because they could kind of do anything they want and they were more perimeter oriented. So that was, that was probably our biggest, I don't say deficit, but we probably at that level didn't match up as well with that type of team as opposed to a team that had more interior because we could trap the post, we could do all kinds of stuff against Xavier, but with those guards, they were just good, just, just athletically out of our league. They were, they were, they were guys that you know. Now you call them bucket getters. Those are guys that all could get buckets. Yeah. Um, question about that first year, you guys, you know, you lose a close one to Seton Hall. Did you have any idea that they could go on and be a questionable foul call away from an NCAA championship? Um. I didn't at the time because, heck, you know, being a freshman, I didn't really probably realize how good they really were. But, uh, you know, we had 74-73 with two minutes to go. They end yeah, up, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They still end up pulling away from us in the last couple minutes. But then, so we, man, we packed because we wanted to go to Denver. So if we would have won that game, which would have been awesome if we would have won, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but we would have played Indiana and Denver. Oh, which, wow. And I think we would have had – with that team we had my freshman year, we had a good chance to compete with them and potentially beat them. However, we didn't get there. But Seton Hall, I mean, they beat them by like 18 or 19, and they just kept rolling after that. So, um, but they had all the tools, man. I mean, just uh, everybody on that team for Seton Hall knew their role, and they yeah. accepted it and played it, and they were competitive and physical and tough. And here, you know. I think, you know, this is just my opinion. The conferences those guys played in gave them obviously such a big advantage because, you know, Duke, two-time defending national champion, they're in the ACC. Uh, Minnesota's in the Big Ten. Florida State's in the ACC. Seton Hall's in the Big East when the Big East was, you know, maybe the The best basketball conference. (laughs) They were the the big beast back then. You know, so that that was such a difference where you said, you know, those teams, they knew when they could take a night off where for SIU and UE, you know, once you're on the top of the mountain, you're getting you're taking everybody's best shot. Mm -hmm. You can't slip up on the road. You got to win every game at home. And, you know, you guys had Xavier um, Dayton was solid for a while. And I can't remember who else. St. Louis, I forgot St. Louis. They well, yeah, because your freshman year, St. Louis U was in the conference, and they had um, Anthony Bonner, Monroe Douglas. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't think of the other guy. Hey, uh, when I played in MCC, or not me, but our team, not being selfish, but there was at least 12 to 13 players in my four-year career through the M- MCC that those guys went pro. Yeah. NBA. NBA. I mean, yeah. not I remember Miguel Knight that Miguel Knight that played at Dayton played with the Lakers for a while. Yeah. Between and, and, between Magic and uh, the Kobe years. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, the same thing. You know, you guys, um, Bradley was always a tough matchup for us. Tulsa at the time. You know, yeah. Tubby had just started. Tubby had started there your junior year, your sophomore year was his sophomore, first year. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, Charlie Spoon hours at Southwest Missouri, and just a great coach. They were always prepared to play. Um, it was a you know it was a different dogfight that you know our teams had as opposed to those teams where you know you're playing against they're playing against NBA guys almost every night in the conference. Oh, and, sure. you know, the MCC and the Missouri Valley, 
you know, maybe once a week. Yeah. So that, you know, that, that played a big difference. Um, this is going to kind of jump ahead to a question I want to ask later. But, uh, Chris, you, you know, from you being at K-State, that year at Illinois, being at SIU, do you think that, I, I, my opinion, there's no such thing as upsets in the NCAA tournament anymore because the exposure. You know, guys, the AAU circuit is so big that, you know, you if you didn't play against somebody in the AAU tournament, you probably saw them. Do you think that, I won't call it, a, I don't know what you necessarily call it, fear factor, that wouldn't be it, but you wouldn't have that, I really don't know what the word is, but like when SIU plays Duke that first time, you really don't have that the second time around because they know who, you know, when you guys played them in, in New York, they knew you they knew who your guys were. Yeah. You know, back then, they may not have known Chris Lowry. They may not have known Tyrone Bell. They probably knew Amaya because he had a bigger name. He right. played in the good, uh, the, the, it was the Olympic Festival. They didn't know, you know, really may not have known who Marcus was. Now they know everybody. So do you think that, you know, that kind of makes it, that makes a difference in the game now because the exposure and social media and everything, as opposed to back in the stone ages when we're watching them, but they're not watching us. Well, the biggest thing is that every game is available. You know, this thing called synergy that you, that all, you know, everybody uh, has, you can watch every single game from every, every person in the country. And, you know, that is, you know, there's no, there's no excuse anymore for not knowing people. You know, when I was at Southern Weber in the beginning, you know, me and Matt Payne and Rodney Watson, we beat some people's tables because they didn't know us, didn't know the style Exactly. Exactly. And now it's changed because now everybody has everybody's game. Because back, back then you were getting two games from your opponent, you know, that was scouting in the league. Everybody had to, you know, give two games to your opponent, and it went, you know, VHS. Yep. And you had to mail it on time, you know, before your, your opponent played. Now you got all the games they played. <laughs> so you're not going to sneak up on people like you used to. No. So when people say, oh, St. Pete, you know, up, no, those dudes are really good. They're well coached, and they're not afraid anymore because they actually yep. know their opponent from watching. That's the like thing Scott that I... Said, like Scott said, like... Oregon State didn't know who the hell didn't even know where yeah. Evansville was. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's that's part of it. Like that, you know, the the whole thing where people like saying, "Oh, we're going to smack those dudes," you know, because you know we're better and we're bigger. Like you know, the, there is no element of surprise. On no, and that that has been my argument that it's gone now. You because can't, when um, we grew up, when we grew up, we had to go to Street Smiths and look and see. Yep. Who was yep. the best players in areas now? With AAU, everybody knows already, and it's on. Yep. You know, it's on Twitter, it's on Instagram. You know, these dudes have pages of, of you know, they have their separate page with just their athletic accomplishments, which is absolutely crazy, but pretty vain. But it is what it is. Everybody knows now. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes such a big difference now. Like I said, the fear factor is not there because you know, guys. You know, they they're. Everybody knows everybody now. There's not any unknowns. You know, you're aware of who everybody is, and that makes a big difference. That yeah, there's Cinderella teams, but the upsets are gone, and something else I think's a factor. I don't, and I think it may have happened while you guys are still in school when they lowered the scholarships from 15 to 13. That teams couldn't just stockpile McDonald's All-Americans. They couldn't just stockpile guys. Um, 
you look at some of them old North Carolina teams and they'd have 11 guys that were McDonald's All-Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, and they that that spread the kind of spread the wealth and you know, how did Evans how was Evansville successful? They get a guy from Marion High School. They get a transfer. Where did um where did half transfer from, Scott? Uh, he went to Illinois and play there but came here. Yeah. You know, Mark Jewell transfers from Iowa. You get transfers. You get guys who, you know, fall through the gaps. You get a SIU gets an Amaya. They get a Tyrone Bell. They get a Chris Carr. They get a Chris Lowry. A Paul Lust transfers. You know, those type of things happen. And, you know, smaller, you know, your mid-majors, you're not looking at playing – you're not looking at one year in the in, at school and then going on and to an NBA contract. You're there for the long haul. You're there to get better. And nine times out of ten, a program is going to beat a team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hey, I got a, I got a quick question for uh, Chris because I have my opinion on this. What do you think about the thirty-second shot clock? Um, I think it's going to go down. I think eventually they're going to make it go down to the NBA level, just to really? speed the just to speed the college game up even more. Because I, I think they want quick, but it, but they don't understand. There's value in strategy. Yeah, which, that's, which, that, that's going to be my point. I'll let you finish, and I'll give you my two bits. Yeah, there's value in strategy, and there's really when you watch the NBA now, there's no strategy. Just shoot a bunch of threes. If the big guys just ball screen and dive. The big guys don't even run to the rim anymore. You see yeah. very few alley oops. Like there's no, there's no, there's not as many X and O guys in the NBA. There's, there's managers, like guys who manage egos and talent. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't mind the, the call. I like it. Now, I, I when we came, it was forty five seconds. I think when we came yeah. to college. Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah it, it, here's the thing, though. And sorry to interrupt you there, but. My my view is, I mean, like you guys average eighty points a game, right? 40, 45 second shot clock. Yep. Evansville, who was supposed to be a slow playing team, my three years we went to the NCAA, we were like seventy eight to eighty average. Yeah. Um, I just think like the Dukes, the Carolinas on the thirty second shot clock, those guys can. I mean, they're good, right? I mean, they're right. you know NBA players and all that. But for the low P5s, for the mid-majors, the low mid-majors, or the low, uh, yeah, low mid-majors, I think 30 seconds is not enough time. I mean, it's just, it comes down to two passes and a ball screen on top and then a bad shot. Yeah, yep, quarter three. But think about, you got you talked about how many points you guys averaged. Yeah. 45 seconds shot clock. 45 seconds shot clock. Yeah. I don't yeah. have, I don't, you know, the magazines anymore. But you'd have five or six teams averaging over 100 points a game. Loyola Marymount's averaging 110. Billy Tubbs' Oklahoma teams are averaging 105. Tark's team at UNLV is averaging 95 to 100. And that was with a 45-second shot clock. But the shooting yeah. percentages were higher. Way there were higher. better shots taken. And then, too, like Chris said, the emphasis wasn't on the three-point shot then. I mean, think about think about Ewan Hafner and Reed Crafton in an offense where it's three-point dominated. As great as shooters as you guys were. You know, you yeah, guys all could yeah. create and kick the ball out. You know, how much different the game is now as opposed to what it you know what it was then. And you know, I, I got kind of mixed feelings on it. Like, I have mixed feelings yeah. on the shot clock. At, as, as a high school coach, I have mixed feelings on the shot clock at the high school level because there's times 
I'd like to see it because I don't want to, you know, I, I really don't like after my team is out, I don't like watching the postseason because I don't want to go watch a 32-29 game in the super sectional because nobody wants to shoot the basketball. Yeah. Well, you look at the scores this year in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're all so low. Yeah. Really. yeah. Until you got to the Final Four a little bit and they spiked up a little bit. But I just think, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm, I am, I've talked to so many people about this. I'm probably in the other end on the thinking. But I think if you can make people play defense just a little bit longer – you might get a little gap yeah. there, a miss switch here, you know. Well, you guys both, you, you, you know, you, the way you, the, the the offense you guys ran, that's what it was predicated on. One mistake, Chris. You're 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 great teams. You grinded people out and yeah. waited for that one mistake to get a guy open. And I stole from you the teams I had in Meridian, especially that first team. We're gonna grind you. We're not. If we could get a quick shot right away, we were going to. But we're gonna make you defend. And all we need is one guy to fall asleep, and we're going to get a good shot. But now, yeah. Yeah. Chris, you recruited. Scott, you're on the sidelines calling the games, and you guys see at the skill level. And, you know, they can call us bitter old men. All three of us know the skill level is not what it used to be. You know, the mid-range game, you know, you got the guys who are in analytics, like Charles Barkley says, it's just an excuse to give your brother-in-law a job. It's a three-pointer or nothing. You know, you don't – There's no. there's no mid-range game anymore. And that's, you know, I, I'm i working with kids, younger kids now. Uh, at at three, uh, AAU tournament last year, I'm watching third graders play. And this kid wasn't as big as my son. He shoots a step back three. And the coach <laughs> is yelling, good shot. Like, you're you're not yeah, – you, you got to have somebody pick you up to get a drink from the water fountain. And you're shooting a step back 25-foot shot, and your coach is yelling, good shot. You know, it's taking the, the skill development – where all three of us and you guys were a hell of a lot better at it than I was. All three of us learned how to shoot 12, 15 foot shots after we learned how to shoot layups. Learned how to shoot corner shots. We weren't shooting 25 footers. And I, I want to ask you guys this question too, because you know, great basketball minds. We see these uh, comments. If Pete, if Pistol Pete played now, oh, he'd average 70 points a game because of. Uh, the three-point shot. And Scott, we kind of talked about this when um, they had the reunion for the state team a couple of years ago, how it would have changed how, you know, it had changed the game for us when we were in high school. Do you guys think that those great players back then would have scored as much or would they have scored about the same amount? Because now we're going to go out and guard you because it's worth one more point. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to what Scott said. And like the reason, I think the shot clock right now is fine. But the, the biggest problem is this. There, there, there are fewer and fewer systems in place. Scott played the system. Like, if you watch some of these teams play, you actually don't know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and when, you, when you're when you in a system, like, Kansas won because of their system. North Carolina jumped out on them. Bill Self grind them and did what they do, and they beat them. They didn't get out of their system that second half, yep. and they cut that lead. And Bill's doing the same shit he's done since we got in the league. So systems win, but yes. so few people want to stay with systems, want to stay with what they're doing. If you watch Duke play now, as opposed to 20 years ago, they, you're like, what the hell? Like, they don't scream. They don't do They do not do a lot of stuff. They just get their, their best players' isolation matched up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what Kentucky does. 
But that's why Kentucky only has one national championship in Cal's time because they don't run stuff. They don't do stuff conducive to their talent. They just let their talent play. And just be like, hey, I coached all these one and done and, you know, brag about that. But it's you know, like we're at the park and I, you know, I got next and I got, I got, I got Scott, I got Chris, I got Marcus and I got Parrish and we're going to go out and play. You know, I'm going to get the ball to you guys. We're going to get the ball to guys who can score, you know, but like you said, and that's, I, I, you're right. Systems are going to win. Programs are going to win. Yeah. And that's, that's why you see, you know, Gonzaga win all those games. And then when they get to the real ones, we got just as much talent as you. What are you going to do different to beat us versus when you play San Francisco in your league? Yeah. <laughs> or San Diego. You know what I mean? Where you just throw them dudes the ball and they just overpower people and, and crush them. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, yeah, that's why I think I, – I mean, I'd like to see the, the, the shot clock go to – uh, give them five more seconds, maybe 40 seconds. I don't know, but the higher levels, I mean, yeah, that's fine. But uh, it's just, you know, I saw the whole NBC play this year, a lot of games, and you know, a lot of times it's just bad basketball, like bad shots. Yeah. Like, well, Scott, I know you've you seen Northern Iowa, and you see how they play, how different they are than, you know, 10 years ago, how Northern yeah. Iowa play. I mean, they, I mean, he lets his best guy shoot bombs. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the that's kind of the difference now in where coaching is. If you got a guy, you gotta let him go. You gotta have a guy though. You gotta have a guy. <laughs> you gotta have him. But but when you're just trying to win on skill and and like your system and like you're saying, if you don't have a guy, then that shot clock gets to three, two, one and now you're yeah. gonna shoot it. Yeah. So what do you think about that, you know, about the difference in the game now and those your your Pete Maraviches and Scott, you know, Jay Scheidler was the guy. You know, the fans think, you know, how many points they would score now with the three-point line. And I just kind of think you got to realize that shot's worth one more point now. So we got to go out and guard that. We're not going to let you shoot 35-footers because it's the same as the two-pointer. Yeah, those guys are still great shooters, but do you think – you guys think that they would average, more, you know, guys like that would average more points now than they did without the three-point line? Um, no, because with the scouting, kind of alluded to this earlier. Yeah, it's, it's so different. He would be crowded. He'd be pushed yeah. off the three-point line. But you know yeah. what? Everybody's shooting three-pointers now. Like, I see it games all the time in college. I mean, this guy, when I played, and Chris probably played, we were both decent shooters, but... That guy would never shot a three-point shot. And now they're just firing him up left and right. You know what I mean? Yeah, guys who well, should I, shoot, shoot. Like, there's well, no you remorse. Guys, you know, I don't, I don't, Scott, I don't know how much you get to go out and watch it. Chris, you're, you're doing it because you're recruiting it. But, like, just at the high school level, guys that are threes in transition and guys who are shoot, shouldn't shoot, like you said, guys who have no business, you just watch them shoot the ball. I was like, why do why are you shooting that shot? And – coaches are given so much freedom because the way the game is played now they're compromising wins and the the purity of their program to be a quote-unquote players coach you know we we all all three of us learned around the fast break you hit the 
you hit the hash mark, it's a 45 degree angle to the basket. Now you run straight to the corner and you're not, yeah. you know, Chris, you remember it's Southern. Transition, we got the ball in the corner, look for the big guy running the floor first. Yeah, you know, now sure. that big guy, he's not even getting across half court and that three's going up. <laughs> there you're right. You're right. There'll be guys that are ahead of the defense and won't run to get a layup. They'll run yes. to um, to the three-point line. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Yeah, in high school, I think it's tough because, man, I think the coaches at the kind of the parent scrutiny and school board and all that. Yeah, it's different now. I think, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, you your guys. can't be a Gerald Van Dievener or a Larry Jenkins. Oh, definitely, definitely not. You're coaching, yeah. It's, well, it's you're uh, too much. May rest in peace with guy Anthony Stewart. I heard him speak at the coaches clinic at uh, Pinckneyville a few years ago. And Travis Ford spoke and uh, Jay Harrington from SWIC spoke and they you know showed some quick hitters and transition offenses and this type of stuff and you know scott i don't know if you ever got a chance to meet him but chris you know how Stu was he gets up and hey unlike my distinct distinguished colleagues i don't have any you know fancy quick hitting offenses or you know things to show you he said because unlike you guys sitting out there in the bleachers we have the ability to go and get the guys we want to fit in our system a lot of you son of a bitch is going to lose your jobs because you think you're going to play like the Golden State Warriors and you ain't got Steph and KD and Clay <laughs> right. Thompson walking the hallways. You think you're going to play like the Warriors and you're going to go 3 and 25 this year. <laughs> That's good. But what other changes do you guys mean? What what's the biggest change you guys see in the tournament now other than money? Than the, you know, it's the money part of it, the promotion than when you guys play in it. I mean, for me, you know, it's, it's not a, there's not a lot it's, except the parody. Like, there you see more upset, way more now than than you did then. And guys breaking through to the Elite Eight, you know, and, and guys, you know, that can really coach the game um, at the lower levels. Um, you know, I think, I think that's the biggest thing. But the commercialization of the game is really – is what changed and now that these nils and there's there's so many things off the court that change that affect the on the court um side of it you know when you got guys that make a million dollars before they play a game and then they don't do well and then they transfer like that, that's yeah. so hard to believe that guys can make that much money and then they can just leave but it's not it's we're not teaching them the right things and 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 you know you have to be able to use all the new rules to your strength. So, you know, Kentucky's best player, he's he had a Porsche. They're like, what are we, what are we wow. teaching? What are we teaching, guys? Like, wow. what if I don't make it to the league like that? So you're telling me the best years of my life where I'm going to be 18, 19 years old and I'm never going to duplicate that again? That, that's that hard, for anybody, last. To, that's yeah. hard for anybody to, to bounce back. And you've got 50, 60 more years to live. And the yeah. best part of it was when you were a freshman or a sophomore in college. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, and, and, and Chris, you know a lot more about that stuff than me because you know being a big time assistant coach and all that stuff. Um, I would say the biggest thing difference is now is like 
like the Florida State team I played against my senior year, probably three of those guys wouldn't have been there. They'd have been already gone to the NBA because <laughs> they're yeah. elite, right? You That's know? true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say, from my standpoint, that'd be the biggest thing. But yeah, the NIL stuff and all that, and, and obviously being to Kansas State and being around Kansas and everybody else, and you got a lot of contacts. Yeah, that stuff. I don't know much about it, but I, I just can't wrap my head around that right now. Chris, do you ever see? What's do you that? see? Um, like you know, in some of the bowl games, football. You know, you got guys who won't play in the bowl game. Yeah. Do you ever see guys who won't play? Who you know, a college player may not play in the NCAA tournament because he doesn't want to hurt his draft stock. I don't think so because um, when you when you look at, at what happened with Zion, Zion Zion was not even the number one player in the country coming in to that year at Duke, and what he did in that uniform and in the NCAA tournament propelled him to be the number one pick. So I, I think that's what guys guys make up so much ground. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, you get dr- your draft stock increases. It's like we talk about the seat, ho- seat hall guy. I think the point guard's named Morton. He yeah, John Morton. Drafted. What was his name? John Morton. John Morton. He ended up getting drafted because of what he did to get seat hall to that championship game. You know, hey, come that- on, man. I mean, I held him to 22. <laughs> <laughs> and he broke my nose. That is right. You got your nose yeah. broken that game. <laughs> But, but college football, like, and, you know, I'm at a power five. We're watching these guys sit out, opt out, and you're just – because football's different. One thing could end your career in football. Yeah, true, true. I so didn't that's think that why those guys are like – they want to be ready to go for the freaking combine. Yeah. So that's yeah. so important to, to football players as more as – like guys in the NBA, if you're NBA, you don't even have to go to the combine. You know, you know you're getting drafted. So those guys yeah. don't even – they just go show up and, you know, do their weights and measurements and length and, you know, do a little a little testing, and they're out. But the combine, you you got to be healthy to go to that as a football player. Um, hey, Griff, I got to tell you a funny story about my time. I mean, like every time we played Evansville. So so I went, I went, I went two and two. Against Evansville in my career, right? My freshman year, we got smacked. We, I, I played three minutes, and I remember, man, I was getting crushed. Those dudes were, those dudes were punking me like. <laughs> hey, I got like, hey, He went over his head. He can't play. He sucks. So I was like, man, and some of the people I went to high school with were season ticket holders, and they were just crushing me. And then my sophomore year, my sophomore year had a big game, and then Reed stole the ball from me. I was looking up at the clock, and I didn't see him. Then I tried to cross him over. He was right up, and he took and he tipped the ball away from me. And then, then the next years we won. But I remember this is what's so funny. And this is so my senior year, we played at Evansville, and we ended up winning. And you know they were they. I mean Scott knows they monstered off of me. They wasn't going to let me shoot threes. Yeah, I think I was gone then. But, you were gone. Uh, you were gone, Scott. Yeah. And this is why this is funny is because I. Heard, there was a guy that just kept yelling my name like on the pitch. I'm like, Who the hell is yelling? Tell you can't shoot. Don't get up on him. Don't get on him. Go back. And I made a shot. And I turned around. It's Brad Brunell. I was like, what the hell? That's oh my, <laughs> my high school teammate yelling at me. You know, that's why. I turned around. It's Brad. And I, I, just, I just laugh about it. I mess with him all the time. But I, I just like, you know, me and him went to the Hall of Fame together at Harrison High School. It was just great because that's my man, you know. And, and, and you know, my time, and, and honestly, when I played Evansville, I wanted to beat him bad. 
You know, I wanted, oh, sure. but it, but it was always like physically, like it was never a blowout ever. It was always close. Oh, I, can I correct you on one of those? <laughs> was my freshman year blowout, Griff? Did we get smoked, Griff? Well, no, my senior year when I came back from ACL and then I won't get into all the stuff. Parish Casebeer tried to quit. Oh, the game okay, we did get you, Sasha. That was Pootman. It was his first time back. He'd been out for like it was at Carbondale, right? Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, we got, I forgot about that. We oh, got, you guys crushed through this for the sure. But you know what's funny <laughs> about that? Groups. I remember Paris was just coming off suspension, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Sasha just came back. He was out, I think, at like a nine game. He had broken his foot or something. And then, oh, it was a mess. We were a mess coming in there. I, just from a chemistry standpoint, after that, we won like 16 of our last 18 games because you guys kicked our ass so bad. But, yeah, you guys had your way with us. Yeah, I, I, I completely forgot it. But you know what's funny? I had, like, six points. But I wanted to win so bad, it didn't matter. You yeah, know, it, you it, yeah, I didn't you play well you at all. six points? I, I, I think I had. <laughs> you know what's funny? Paris, Paris yeah, was yeah, bad, was too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he should have had about 18 if I was guarding you. <laughs> and, and I just remember Paris was just, you know, he – I was like, "What's I, you know? That's my guy, and I love him. God, you know, I, I just wish so different for his life." And, and I'm yeah. just talking, "What is wrong with you?" Like, and I, I would rip his ass, and I would just be on him about why are you like, dude? You got to change, man. Yeah, you know he and he just he just could never get out of his own way. He was so yeah. good though, Scott. You know, oh. you know that scoring the ball, Jeez. holy cow. I remember yeah. watching him. Like, you guys played uh, Notre Dame, and he had like what 41 on Lafonso, 44. And he, Man. he hit like three three pointers all year, and he had like seven that game. Man, me take but, hey, Chris. Here, his his sophomore year, you got Brian Grant, you got Aaron Williams, both longtime NBA players. You know, we still have St. Louis in the conference, Dayton, uh, Butler, and Loyola weren't as good as they are now, but he led the league in scoring and rebounds. He averaged like twenty four points, ten rebounds wow. a game. Yeah, that's crazy. At six three. He was a walking bucket. Yeah. Hey, uh, yes, hey, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, Scott. My my senior year, your freshman year, we go to UE. Like Scott, you were out with your shoulder. Yeah. So we had been plotting. You know, you you weren't gonna play. Of course, I wasn't gonna play. So we get there. Hey, we're gonna go to eat. Meet me at this time. So we get <laughs> back from eating, yeah. <laughs> and you you had thunder. Thunder was yeah. thunder was out there. Thunder was cracking. I, I get off. I get out. Get off. We get back at the hotel. I walk back out. We ride. You know, we, we do our thing for a little while. Get back for a room check. You're waiting out back. I get in. I think I'm room with ship. Cause Scott, Chris, I remember this. It, man, we hey, we we tortured Chris. It's a, it's a wonder. It's a wonder him and Matt speak to me this day. The shit I did to them. We. Chris, you know, this is when me and him were starting to get close. And he came in me and Shipley's room, but he's jumping on the beds and stuff. So <laughs> the balcony. And I can't, I don't oh, remember. Yeah. It's one of the hotels yeah. out by the airport. It's yeah, changed names. Exactly. But we lock him out on the balcony and we're like, we're not gonna let you in until you do the Russian heat. <laughs> Coach Weaver would we would mess with Coach Weaver because he he'd need a haircut. And I remember one time I said he looked like one of the Russian soldiers with the furry hats. <laughs> and Chris would do like the Russian hat dance. We're like, we're not gonna let you in until you do the Russian hat dance. And there's people coming in the hotel, so he he breaks down and he does it. So 
we let him in. I come in for room check. I'm brushing my teeth. Smitty, Beard, Coach Smith, love that man. I see we got two Salukis ready for bed. Now, you guys remember breakfast at whatever time. Yes, Smitty. You know, <laughs> Chip was like, I said, Chip, I'm gone. Head out. We're out till I don't know when. The next morning at breakfast, I'm just out of it. And Chris, you're sitting beside me. Griff, you went out last night, didn't you? You went out last night, didn't you? How can you tell me? How can you? Because you're playing tonight. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I remember I picked you up in the back, in the back of the hotel. Yeah, yeah I don't think we got yeah, back to like four. Phones. How do we even communicate that pickup? I, I had to. I think I, I think I may have called you before we left in Carbondale, even. Because you know we had, you guys, you know we had the itineraries back then. Then you had everything yeah. listed. Smitty had everything down to the minute. We're gonna pay the toll at six forty-seven. <laughs> and we're gonna be at the stoplight in Mount Vernon at seven thirteen. He had everything down to the second. But I, something else I remember that Chris trip about that that trip, Chris. They charged us eighty dollars. A pitcher for orange juice. Don't ask me how I remember this, but I just remember the shoot around. Coach Aaron was beside himself that it was like eight hundred dollars for orange juice. Right, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I can't explain why. You know, eighty dollars for a pitcher of orange juice, gang. That's just outrageous. I, I don't mind telling you. Hey, I, I don't think it should be that much. I got to. <laughs> and then the year before we played you guys. Or was it your first? No. Oh, what year was it, Scott? You were playing. Uh, my, probably my freshman year. Had to be. Uh, or my sophomore year. I can't remember. Well, let me know what you're going to say, and then I can tell you. I was at the game when Freddie, you guys beat my team. You beat Evansville at Carpenter. Freddie McSwain had, had been suspended because he had missed, he had been skipping class. And it was at Robert Stadium. And you guys' student section was great. And they're chanting at him, go to class. Go to class. Go. And I don't, it, had to be, it had to be your freshman year because we played you guys twice. We didn't play you yeah, twice my, my your sophomore year. It was your freshman year, yeah. yeah. And that was yeah. when we were, that's when, you know, we started off great. And then we had that bad stretch. Yeah, they were yelling at him, go to class. He was so frustrated. <laughs> He was, and then they're yelling our names. They could see our names through the warm-ups. And as soon as somebody would turn around, ah, rabbit ears, rabbit ears, rabbit ears. <laughs> but I won't keep you guys. I enjoyed this opportunity. Um, like, you know, two great point guards. And obviously the way you guys just took control, you guys were just back at home, um, bossing me around, not letting me have the ball, doing those things that you did when we played together. Uh, Chris, I didn't have much opportunity to play with you because you were in maroon and I was on white all the time. But anyway, <laughs> this was this was. Hey, and Scott, we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't let Chris sit with us because we didn't have the same culture that Evansville had. The white team <laughs> is its own separate entity, and there was a Chris will he will verify this. There was a seat that separated the white team from the maroon team. <laughs> And you were not to cross that trip. That you were not supposed to cross that threshold because the white team knew we weren't going in the game, and the maroon team was not allowed to sit down there with us and eat cookies and have a good time. Yeah, and Chris funny. would always want to. He'd always want to sit with us. Oh, you can't sit with us, Griff. No, you can't sit with us. You got to sit up there with those. Guys. That's hilarious. Hey, Girl, hey Scott, I'm not gonna get Scott. Let me tell you this funny story about Griff. I hit the shot at Boise State. <laughs> 
Yeah. In the timeout, everybody's excited. Griff, Griff punched me in the back and said, damn it, you just ruined my spring break. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know, I'm going to tell you why. Because, Scott, you was on spring break the same time I was. <laughs> you weren't playing. Y'all season was done. We were supposed yeah. to kick it that week. <laughs> I'm stuck practicing because you came. Um, oh, yeah. That's when you guys played. You came to watch us again. Yeah. No. Uh, you came to year. watch us play. Uh, you came to watch us play Stanford. Okay. Yeah. 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 You right. came to watch yeah. us play Stanford because yeah. yeah. I think you yeah. and Dad sat together. Yeah. Yeah. We did for sure. Yeah. You guys. You came to watch us play Stanford. That's why I was pissed off because <laughs> you won, I, I was supposed to still have a spring break. I know, man. <laughs> I was ready to go to Cuckoos. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, we should have had Anthony on, but it went it it went off the rails oh, about an hour. Way off the rails. Yeah, it had been off the rails about an hour and thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I appreciate my brothers giving me your time. Um, Mama really enjoyed this one because you guys ate a lot of fried chicken at four twenty five <laughs> East End Street. <laughs> Scott, Chris. Uh, would call me, you know, especially during the summer. Hey, Griff, uh, I'm headed back to the Ville. You know, it'd be, it'd be on a Thursday. Hey, Zay, if I stop by tomorrow, you think your mom would cook me dinner? Oh, yeah, you know she'll cook for oh, you. Because yeah. you know, she never she never refused to cook you a meal. I, I was guaranteed <laughs> oh, I to get a good meal when you came. I was guaranteed to get breakfast when Scott stayed all night. If otherwise, <laughs> it was serious for me. But, you know, oh, I tell him, hey, Chris is coming over. You know, you cook for him, yeah. That that just coming over Friday would end up with Chris, you know, getting up Monday morning, going back to SIU for <laughs> summer classes. <laughs> that's the truth, right there. No, that is the that's truth. awesome. <laughs> that's good. So, hey, Griff, thanks for uh, having me on, and and Chris, man, it's great to catch up with you again. And uh, like I said, man, I, you would have been a great ace, but. I'm glad you went to the Slukies and your career after that. You've done a great job. So I appreciate um, that. Pre- I appreciate uh, appreciate this uh, podcast, and it's been a blast. No, yeah, thanks, Griff. Obviously, you know, same here. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I mean, you guys you know, obviously, were... Griff. You know, you're my brother, man. You know, you know, you know that Scott. You know, I said like, and you know, when you watch other dudes play, and and you know. We didn't do scouting like you guys did. We did who can score, who can shoot. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what we did. Dude, that guy don't let him shoot and do not go for a shot fake. That was always. Yeah. And you guys were so good at shot faking, you know. Like yeah. we were so athletic, trying to challenge everything, and, and a lot of times it got us in trouble. So. Yeah, that was fun. So it was guys, awesome playing against you, man. You guys are big influences, you know, my career also. You know, Scott, you know, we had a great run together. And then the, the, the time I did get to play at Southern my junior year was, you know, you were home during the summer and you pushed me and, you know, you're going to be satisfied with sitting the bench. And, you know, you pushed me to the point where, you know, I improved more, you know, that five or six weeks you were home than I ever had over the summer. And Chris, as a coach, you know, I'm older than you, but I always look at you as my mentor as a coach because, of, you know, the things you 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 did, the things you used to be successful, you know, those are things that I implement in any team I'm coaching. We're going to be tougher than the other team and we're going to win 50-50 battles and we're not going to back down. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to win ugly. You know, they don't, it's not a beauty contest. We just want to win. So I you know, appreciate the, I appreciate number one, our brotherhood. 
and I appreciate the influence you guys have had on, on, on my career as a player and a coach and you know just just this opportunity has been one of the most fun ones I've had so appreciate you guys giving me your time on this evening we're all old men Chris you, you I don't know if your grandbaby is over Caden's probably mad at me because he's been locked out of the room for a while but it, it's about about bedtime for all three of us yeah <laughs> no kidding hey Scott I got your number from the text I'm gonna stay in touch man yeah yeah for sure man that sounds great okay all right bro. appreciate, so I appreciate you, you guys until next time right. my brothers all right yeah. you guys have a great night all right see ya